It's September 5th, 2018, and welcome to another edition of Bite Marks Cafe, where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. And of course, uh, first up, we're, we'll hear from Usma Kazmi from UC Berkeley. She's here to tell us about a VR art piece entitled Cranes and Cube on exhibit over at UH Manoa Commons Gallery. And then we'll hear from George Donev and Diza Hinderwan. And of course, uh, they're both here, who they both recently participated in the Nalukai Academy. And of course, one was a mentor and the other was a participant, and we'll hear all about their story. First up, we want to welcome Asma from um, UC Berkeley, and she's on the line calling in, and she's going to tell us about the uh, VR exhibit that's over at UH Manoa. Welcome to the show, Asma. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, great. So, um, Tell us a little bit about uh, how you got involved with, uh, you know, this, this exhibit over at UH. Yeah, so the, the, um, the inspiration for um, the project um, that I'll be showing, um, it, um, it came from um, seeing some journalistic images of uh, a massive crane that had fallen in, um, in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, killing about uh, over a hundred pilgrims, mm-hmm. um, and um, in these images, I noticed the um, um, the cluttered cityscape, um, or, or the cityscape which was cluttered with cranes, um, which represented a kind of frenzied um, and unfettered development, which reminded me of other cities uh, that I've experienced, like San Francisco or Karachi, the city I grew up in. Um, which are going through, you know, really dramatic changes and construction. Um, so the um, so I was making this work, and um, um, my friend and colleague uh, Jose Ferreira at the University of Hawaii, who teaches um, in the art department, he was organizing a show around these themes of um, of construction, mm-hmm. how it impacts, um, you know, modern day. Living um, and um, um, and he invited me to participate in this two-person show, um, which I'm really excited to um, to um, uh, come to. So, Asma, tell me the uh, give me a setting. The setting is really kind of takes place in Mecca, right? In in uh, in Saudi Arabia, and and uh, maybe describe if a if a uh, a pilgrim were to be going there in in real life. What would they experience? Right. So, um, you know, it's um, it's an ancient um, city where people have been going to um, for centuries to perform um, Hajj, which is um, the uh, pilgrimage uh, that all Muslims are obligated to perform. Um, you know, it's a it's a city that um, gets about fifteen million visitors mm-hmm. a year. Um, so it's um, you know there there are lots of people who go um, simultaneously. So if you go today, you'll you'll experience um, a very modern city uh, with a lot of um, new construction. Um, you know, fifteen twenty years ago, there were um, old ancient neighborhoods that were established in the seventh century. All of those are gone now. Um, so when you go, I think the only thing that, that Still remains untouched is the the cube or the Kaaba, 
mm-hmm. um, which Muslims, um, you know, circle around seven times, um, which is part of one of the um, um, one of the rituals of the Hajj. Um, so, so yeah, so you know, if you if you go there, um, you'll experience a, a pretty new um, uh, and um, modern city. Um, but of course, on the margins are um, all kinds of immigrant populations, people who maintain the city, clean the city, um, and um, uh, yeah, so that's what you would expect. And so your your um, your VR experience, the the art that's going to be exhibited, helps the viewer sort of experience what the transition might be like. You know, if you were to uh, experience sort of the the the, the I guess the the losing of the old and and sort of like the transition to the new and that's why the the, the juxtaposition of cranes and the cube. Yeah. So if you you know when you enter the VR or when you put on the headset, um, in my work you'll experience uh, the city of Mecca, but from my own sort of ambivalent mm-hmm. um, perspective, um, and um, you know what you what you experience is. Um, is an environment where you encounter the black cube and you're surrounded in this forest of cranes, um, as well as um, these sort of surrealist 3D sculptural objects that were, um, that um, when I went to Saudi Arabia for, for field work, I scanned from actual architectural sites. Um, and, and in my piece, you'll experience these objects as, um, you know, as these sort of scattered Mm-hmm. Um, so the piece really deals with, um, you know, the relationship between religion and commercialism, um, as well as material and cultural history of this ancient religious So in terms of the actual VR experience, I mean, uh, what kind of a headset are you using, and, and how did you go about actually developing the application? Yeah, so the whole, um, the whole thing is... Um, what I've used is uh, photogrammetry to create a lot of the 3D objects in the VR space. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the VR um, environment itself was developed on uh, Unity, um, and uh, you know you put on an Oculus headset, um, which um, uh, which um, takes you to a new city um, while you're while you're situated, you know, in the same place that you uh, started off. And mm-hmm. Now, in terms of uh, experiencing that, people have to go to the exhibit to experience it. Do you, do you have something online that people could actually get a stereoscopic sort of simulation of the VR experience? Yeah, so my website would be um, a place to watch for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, um, uh, on, on there, you'll be able to see um, you know, a video uh, that shows you um, um, some aspects of the piece. But right now, um, you know, because this is an art project, um, a non-commercial art project, mm-hmm. um, and it's very new, um, it's touring in different cities, so it's going to uh, Michigan next month. Uh, but right now you have to experience it um, at a museum or a gallery. So, Asma, tell me, uh, when is the opening of the show, and where can people go to experience this? 
Okay, so the um, the exhibit is at the Commons Gallery mm-hmm. at the University of Hawaii, and um, the opening is on Monday, September 10th. There's a gallery walkthrough with um, uh, with me and uh, the art- other artist, Jose Ferreira, at 3 o'clock, and then at 4, there's a reception. Great. So where can people go to uh, either sign up or find out more about, about you and your work? Um. So um, you can go to my website, um, which is just my full name, asmagazmi.com. Great. Well, thanks, Asma. We, uh, we'll, uh, we'll put that up on our show notes later on tonight. And, of course, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. And of course, we'll take a short break. And when we return, we'll be jo- uh, joined by George Donev and Diza Herdawan, and of course, uh, we'll be talking about Nalukai Academy and Student Corner. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training, Moyer Financial, and Kaiser Permanente. Welcome back to Bite Marks Cafe. Now joining us is George Donev, and of course uh, we also has uh, have Diza Henderwan. And of course George is a freshman over at UH Hilo and was a mentor at the latest Nalukai Academy. And he's working on a project called Student Corner. Meanwhile, Diza is a junior over at Punahou and was part of a team that created a uh, application called sh- uh, Shelfware. And we want to welcome you both to Bite Marks Cafe. Thank you for having us. Yeah, great. And you came all the way from the big city of Hilo just to be on the show today. Yeah, that's right. I caught a plane uh, from Hilo, and I came over here, and I'm heading back tonight. And, of course, Disa, you just had to drive over here. Oh, yeah. I zoomed over really quick. Actually, my mom (laughs) drove me. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you both on. I mean, you know, usually we have students with a teacher, mentor, or somebody, but we got kind of like two students, which are really the student voices of what's happening, not only with Nalukai, but I guess, you know, with some of these student projects, what are they, what happens after sort of everybody is done with the program? And so we'll, we'll kind of get into that. First off, though, I want to ask you, but maybe, George, we can start off with you. How did you kind of get involved with Nalukai Academy? I know we've had, you know, we've had Austin and, and Dave on the show, and we've talked about from, a, from an organizer standpoint, but from a, from a student sort of mentor standpoint, how did you get involved? So um, Austin Stewart and Stephen Halstead and Aaron Shorn were uh, kind of my teachers and mentors at my time at Hawaii Preparatory Academy. Mm-hmm. So I got to know them and I got to experience uh, some of the same things that Nalukai uh, gives to students um, just in more of a classroom setting over the the previous year. And so I was asked to be a mentor this year to uh Give back to Nalukai. So when, when when you got involved as a mentor, I mean, were there were there certain things that you wanted to or they wanted you to mentor students in? Yes, um, I focused on deployment. So a lot of projects were software based or web based, and uh, having to do with technology. A lot of them needed to actually launch and go on the mm-hmm, internet and mm-hmm. to have a presence there. So I was able to help with that uh, based on my experience um, assisting in one of the independent science research project classes at HPA uh-huh. uh, previously. So Cool. And uh, Disa, I know that you have, uh, you have a wealth of experience doing not only the Hawaii Annual Code Challenge and Hack for EDU. So you knew about sort of these uh, uh, hackathon code challenges. 
But the Nalukai Academy, how did you get introduced to that? I mean, this is like a whole week-long, pretty intensive live-in experience. What, what, what got you to choose to uh, take that uh, uh, challenge? Right. Definitely, funnily enough, um, my first uh, talking point and finding out about Nalakai was actually from my friend who mm-hmm. just uh, mentioned it to me through word of mouth. And I thought it was really interesting. You know, their big selling point is come free rum and board for 10 days at HPA and you also get a free MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. So that's the big Is that headliner. what you're using right now? Is that the MacBook Pro? No, this is my Punahou issued MacBook oh, Air right oh, now. You, you must have a, like, a, like, like a stock room full of Macs. Uh, we can say that, sure. <laughs> but yeah, so although that is the big headliner and that's kind of the initial drawing point for a lot of students on the island, what really drew me to it was the fact that not only do you get to be in this sort of incubator experience, but you get to be in a different setting. So mm-hmm. instead of kind of just doing a day experience somewhere in Honolulu, we get to travel to a different island and really bond and really understand what it means to like be a team and to create something together. So the team experience was that uh, were there certain things that, that coalesced the team? It wasn't, or was that just an assignment? I mean, people just assigned you to a team. How did the teams actually form? So what was amazing about it was that Nick Wong and I believe Ian Denzer, Mm -hmm. they both were instrumental in kind of looking at the profiles of each of the accepted applicants and kind of bridging the gap and brainstorming what would be the most ideal orientation for the teams. So they looked at the individual applications and kind of pieced together these dream teams based on our skills and our personalities. And what I thought was really amazing was that through some sort of serendipity, my team, all of us had accidentally met each other before through some sort of happenstance Uh and so that is just a testament to the magic of Nick Wong and Uh Ian Denzer in their creation of the teams yes and and uh, George so in terms of the the teams do did your mentorship sort of come in at the tail end of it or did you kind of get involved with helping the team figure out like what exactly they were going to focus in on um, I came in around the middle of the camp, and I, um, my role was to really help the teams launch whatever they had come up with. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, whether that was writing a, a server for, for web or trying to launch an app on the App Store, stuff like that, stuff to do with deployment. Mm-hmm. Now, I thought it was an interesting experience where, you know, every team member actually pitched something to the team. And then the team had to decide, well, what are we going to focus in on? How did that decision-making process take place? So the interesting thing with my team was actually that although we each individually pitched something to each other at the beginning of the group, we realized very quickly that whatever we wanted to uh, materialize wasn't exactly ideal for our skill set, nor was it what we were most passionate about. So literally, we were the only team that that day and that night, we just worked and made our own original pitch that was completely different from one of the pitches. So instead of just choosing one, we kind of came together, looked at what skill sets we had and what we were passionate about. And from that, we created the idea of shelfware and just made the pitch deck in a night. So so tell me real quickly, what what does shelfware do? What is that application? So our idea for shelfware is that it's a peer-to-peer lending marketplace Mm -hmm. for people who have um, old technology or technology that they don't really use. So that's people with an abundance of cameras or they even just have an old MacBook that they want to rent out. And it connects them with people who may need MacBooks or other such devices for short periods of time, like students who are doing photography projects or budding artists who just don't currently have enough money to get those devices. Mm -hmm. Now, George, I mean, in terms of shelfware, what did you help them do in terms of getting their application deployed? What was the deployment challenge for shelfware? 
Yeah, I believe Shelfware just had a site that needed to go up to get market traction and, and to test if uh, users were interested. And so I helped set that up and kind of get a domain and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, you just get a domain and then was the website anything special? Was it a, a WordPress site or what was the what was the, the actual web um, CRM or, you know, how, what was it composed of? Um, I think it was a node server or something like that. It was just very basic, you know, get get it up, get it serving HTML and have a presence. Yeah, yeah. And then so in terms of, uh, uh, I guess, maybe in terms of your resource, your resource and spreading it around to, I think, what, there were six teams? Was there six? There were five teams. Five teams. Yes. How did you decide, you know, how much um, time was needed to be spent on each one? Were there and maybe maybe the other part of that question is were there different levels of complications or complexity of each application deployment? Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, all of them had something a little different going on. So um, I just focused in on whenever someone needed me at the moment. You know, George, come help us with this. I, I jumped in and I helped with that. And so uh, I think I was able to distribute my time pretty well between all the teams mm-hmm. in the end. And and these are you know when when creating the project. Were there some standard things that you needed to do aside from the website? I know you created some social media presence. I mean, what were some of the things that were created, digital assets that were created just to support the project? Right, definitely. So one of the main um, aspects of ours was that we had a a two-part MVP, which is our minimum viable product. Mm -hmm. And so we had the second part, which was, like George said, the website that had the sign-up list and um, kind of was just... uh, tracking how much um, of a market there was and how many people would be willing to sign up. The first part of our MVP was also actually a Craigslist ad. So we ran a couple of um, just water testing ads out on Craigslist like, oh, hey, we have a MacBook for rent for about uh, 50 bucks a day. Is anyone interested? Or does anyone want to rent a DSLR? And so we kind of tried to break through that idea of like a buy and sell marketplace by using one of the most prominent and then putting our little rent idea. So there. that was kind of a, uh, a market research effort? Yes. Just yes. to place it out in Craigslist and see if you got any kind of response? Yeah, definitely. Oh. Because the biggest complication was if given the opportunity to buy or sell a product and given the opportunity to rent, would people be willing to, to surpass the kind of buy-sell notion and like bypass that convention and go to renting and through that we were able to get some active responses people were texting and saying oh is this still for rent i'm really interested and even um one response even uh suggested for us to use a specific business plan and like a monthly mm-hmm. model so we had a lot of um, user engagement through that oh that's cool that's cool so george i mean you know i do want to talk about student corner because that's another project that didn't really uh get born out of a a nalukai cohort but it was sort of your brainstorm of a, of a project. But before we do that, that's kind of a, that's just kind of a teaser. <laughs> I want to hold that thought. We'll be right back at this short break to continue our conversation with George Donev and Disa Henderwan. And of course, this is uh, Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk show programming. Mahalo to the St. Andrews Schools, which includes the Priory School for Girls, the Prep for Boys, and Queen Emma Preschool. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. And if you're just joining us, we're talking to George Donev and Disa Henderwan. And, of course, we're talking about Nalukai Academy and the projects that came out of that, one of which is uh, 
course, Shelf Life and Student Corner. Now, Student Corner is kind of interesting because right before the break, we're sort of teasing the idea of Student Corner. But George, tell us, what was the, the sort of the brainstorm around the creation of Student Corner? Because it didn't come out of Naolukai. But was it, it, it was a little inspired by it, was it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was very lucky to have Austin Stewart, Stephen Halstead, and Aaron Shorn as my mentors. Mm-hmm. And, and they're a big part of the Nalukai Foundation. They, they run it. Um, and so I, I was able to have them in classes at Hawaii Preparatory Academy. And they were able to guide the, the way um, Student Corner as an idea coalesced and, and came into existence. So what was it, what, what was it about Student Corner? I mean, what does it actually do? So Student Corner is essentially a web platform that helps to perpetuate student projects for college admissions, professional portfolios, and collaboration with other students in their educational community. So what kind of what kind of projects would typically be on Student Corner? Um, a lot of a lot of schools are now pushing the agenda for project based learning, mm-hmm. which uh, has a lot of promise because it promotes students to work on tangible and uh, hands on projects usually in tech but it can encompass other things also and so a lot of uh, Hawaii Preparatory Academy's uh, capstone courses ended up utilizing Student Corner as a knowledge base in which to put a lot of uh, to get students to put a lot of their work on there and so it really became uh, as a place where students could showcase what they were doing and, and gain some recognition for it and have a home base on the internet for their project. So what, what, what would be a typical project that might be on Student Corner? Uh, we had quite a few robotics projects on there. I was going to say, so a lot of students are in robotics teams, and they've you know competed in VEX or FIRST. Right. Does that constitute a project that would potentially be on Student Corner? Yeah, um, that's definitely one of them. You know, we had other ones, like there was um, some sustainability classes, and some students in those wrote about cookbooks or certain gardening techniques or beekeeping. So mm-hmm. we really got a lot of different uh, projects up there, and it was really neat to see what uh, – HP as a community came up with. So, so these are. I know that uh, as a participant in Naolukai, I mean, you you came up with the the application shelf life, and and um, maybe quickly tell us, you know, where does shelf life go after Naolukai Academy? Okay, well, um, the interesting thing about the applications of shelfware is that it's really tapping into the market and kind of flipping it on its head. So nowadays, we realize that that kind of centralized. Um, model doesn't really work with mm-hmm. what we're doing like a uh, rent a center and errands they're both kind of falling out of touch with customers nowadays and what's really succeeding are either um central uh rental marketplaces that are are local but are specializing in one kind of commodity like uh you know photography rentals that are in town in boston honolulu in any city or some sort of one commodity peer-to-peer rental like airbnb or gokar or hui like um, the applications that we're seeing that are really popular internationally. So the idea for shelfware is that we want to tap into a similar educational market like Student Corner and like Group Study, which was another thing that came out of Nalukai. And we want to focus on cultivating creative communities and connecting students. So we were thinking that the next step would be to pitch it mostly to interns or to students. So specifically to people who need um, certain types of equipment for a certain job experience or a certain class. And so through go, um, going through either that internship or through that school's courses, then um, suggesting certain equipment and um, pitching it to students or users. So way. so these are, you're a junior at Punahou, you're now back in school, you're focusing on your schoolwork, and 
so I wouldn't be surprised if Shelfware maybe took a little bit of a backseat, but you're also involved with Student Corner. So how did how did George sort of recruit you to be involved with Student Corner? And where do you, well, let me ask you this. How, did, how, how much resource do you put on the support of Student Corner? As another thing to right. consider, you know, with <laughs> all the rest of the coursework that you're taking. Yes, thank you so much. Well, um, Currently, for Student Corner, I'm acting as the head of operations and also kind of the lead of the Honolulu team. So what that means is that I'm helping George draft emails to several different contexts, um, including schools on island and in the state as well as outside of the state in um, in Boston. We're talking to the Windsor School currently. Mm-hmm. And I'm also helping him draft business plans as well as having frequent weekly discussions on what the trajectory is and how we're going to be pitching it if it's going to be a, a product that we're selling. So how does, how does uh, in your mind, deciding whether you should spend some time on shelfware or spend time on Student Corner, is it the Student Corner become an attractive project to get involved in because George is, is sort of helping to spearhead the project as, a, as sort of the project lead? Right. I think uh, something that was really attractive to me about Student Corner when I kind of came up to George and Nalukai and started talking to him and figuring out what really is going on with Student Corner was that he told me, you know, it's already running a public beta, which means that there's users that are using it and we're getting live feedback from the communities that are utilizing Student mm-hmm, Corner. Mm-hmm. And we just found that the the kind of connections that you make from like a beta that is live, like there's something valuable about being able to, to see the market right there and right now in front of you. And so we we do have that experience and that advantage. And that's why I, I do recognize the, the value in being able to work on something like Student Corner with mm-hmm. the experience that I did gain working on the Shelfware team. So, so George, I mean, being the sort of the project lead for Student Corner, how do you see managing the resources? And it's kind of interesting because... Several of the Nalukai Academy graduates are now participating in Student Corner. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, a lot of Nalukai graduates are now participating there. Um, some of the previous team members that worked on Student Corner before, like Morgan Dean, our head of development, um, he's still involved with the project. And, and so all of us kind of collaborate. We have uh, weekly meetings. Uh, we sometimes Skype a few, time, a few times a week. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we use Slack to communicate. And I really kind of try to separate out operations and development and marketing and all these different things. So everyone has a task to work on. Everyone can part, uh, can really give back in whatever way they're, they feel best at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so what, what, what do you see as the, the trajectory of, of, of uh, Student Corner? I mean, and where do you want to take it? Yeah, so Student Corner, we want to really enter in like the $2 billion educational technology market. Um, Student Corner is like what we envision as the first app in a suite of apps that uh, will involve learning management systems for schools, Mm -hmm. uh, educational databases, and also time management for schools. So we really want to go into the entire educational technologies market that needs really needs some innovation. Are you you seeking funding or are you self-funding this? How is it being sort of financed? Yeah, right now it's just a public beta that I'm paying for. Um, and then you have but, student volunteers. Right, like, of like course. Are- yeah. And so, yeah, we, we are looking for funding and we, we are writing business plans now and we're submitting them to a few competitions. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, we're really starting to get the ball rolling. So, Diza, if somebody wanted to learn more about Student Corner, where could they go? 
Well, if they're interested in learning more about Student Corner, they can visit us at studentcorner.io. And if you want to connect with the Student Corner team, our email is social at studentcorner.io. Well, we'll definitely put that up on our show notes later on tonight. And then, you know, good luck with Student Corner because I know that's a project that you see your future sort of uh, being, being tied to. Yes, thank you. Of course, uh, that's George Deneb. He's a UH Hilo uh, freshman and uh, continues to work on Student Corner. And these uh, Henderwan, she's a junior over at Puno, has a great future. And, of course, uh, she's part of the uh, shelfware team, but also sound, you know, sounds like she's pretty heavily involved with Student Corner. Thank you both for joining us today. Thank, thank you. you so much for having us on the show. And, of course, we'll thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we'll talk about the growing interest in eSports. If you have... Uh, if you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to email us at feedback at bitemarks.org. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at bitemarks. And, of course, uh, we want to thank David Chong, our engineer. And, of course, you can also catch HPR every Wednesday here at 6.30 or anytime on the HPR app. We'll see you stay awesome. And, of course, we'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe.